0: Mom, that one family is so strict. They aren't even allowed to say sh. Hey, watch your mouth. Church, church, church. All they do is go to church. Can't they miss just once? They won't go to the movie because they say there's bad stuff in it. What is wrong with them? We know people make fun of our family, but we can't worry about what people think. We're more concerned about what God thinks. Well, hey everybody at all of our Life Churches, Network Churches, and those of you from countries all over the world at Church Online. Today we're wrapping up our series called Bless This Home. I'm so glad to have all of you with us. If maybe you missed the other weeks, let me tell you what we're doing. Uh, We're actually looking at the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, in a little section uh, that we call the Beatitudes, where Jesus gave us eight different qualities of those who would be blessed. And although Jesus was talking to everybody, what we're doing for the purpose of this series is we're applying his teaching to our homes. Bless this home because the reality is if you look around today at so many homes where we live, uh, most people wouldn't say, man, They're really blessed. They've got a blessed marriage. Their kids are blessed. And so what we're doing is we're asking God to teach us to live according to his word so that he would bless our homes. If you're taking notes, let me give you kind of the key thought that we've been looking at every single week. It's kind of a paradigm shift about how we think about faith in our families if you're taking notes or if you know this let's go ahead and say it aloud what are we not all of our churches i need everybody to help out what are we not we are not just a christian home but what are we we are a christ-centered family everybody all of our churches you all in albany new york let's say it aloud what are we not we are not just a christian home what are we we are a Christ-centered family. Now, some of you may be new and you're saying, what's the difference? What's the difference between a Christian home and a Christ-centered family? Unfortunately today, the word Christian doesn't mean what it used to mean. In fact, where I live, to be a Christian is almost a default decision. There are tons and tons and tons of people who if you said, hey, you know, what are you when it comes to faith, they'd be like, well, you know, uh, I guess I'm a Christian. I'm not anything else, so I must be a Christian. And there's a real big portion of the population in my country who would fall into a category that I would call cultural Christians, or almost like, you know, we're Christian in name only. Some 80% or so of those in our country say, yeah, uh, we're Christians if you looked on their families and you didn't know uh, what they said, and you said, you know, are they Christians? You might go, "Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, there's there's no evidence to tell me they are. There's not really, I I just don't know. If though, we take a different title and we take it seriously, and we say we're not just a Christian home kind of in the cultural sense, but we are Christ-centered in all we do. In other words, Jesus isn't just a convenient part of our life, uh, the guy we call on when we need him and go to church uh, on Easter or whenever we feel like it. But if he's not just a part of our lives, but truly the center of our lives, then there will be evidence to those who look on. Our values will be different. The way we raise our children will be different. The way we use our resources, our time and our money, it will be different. The way we treat people will be different because Jesus isn't just a part of our lives, but he is our lives. We are Christ-centered in what we do. Now, our key thought for today, if you're taking notes, is this. You ready for some fun? Here it is. If you are a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted. Well, fantastic, that's what I came to hear today, a little uplifting message to make me feel good. I can tell I'm gonna love this one, but it's true, okay? If you are a Christ-centered family, what you need to understand is that people will mock you, make fun of you, and ridicule you, or worse, because that's what happens when you are Christ-centered. And I don't know how it will play for your family, but it plays in all different ways for my family. One of the times, it uh, was really funny to me, years ago when we moved into our last neighborhood, the Neighborhood Association threw a big party and said, everybody can come. And so we were really excited. We thought, we'll go meet some new people, we'll make some new friends. And so we came to the party and there was a guy that I, I started talking to, he was really friendly, he was telling me about his kids and I was telling him about my kids. And he said, man, he goes, these parties, they're usually a lot more fun than this one's gonna be. Like. Why isn't this one going to be fun? He said, well, usually we have a big keg and we all get bleepity bleep drunk and it's bleepity bleep fun. I'm like going, oh, well, why is this one different? He said, well, word on the street is there's this bleepity bleep preacher's family who moved into the neighborhood and so there is going to be no keg. (laughs) I'm like, like, that sounds fun to me. I don't know, I mean, whatever you do. And so we talked for a little while longer. He said, by the way, what do you do for a living? I said, well, to be honest with you, I ruin keg parties for a living. That's what I do. And it got kind of awkward for a minute and then, we started being nice again. So anyway, you will be persecuted. If you go back to week number one, what did we talk about? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you are hungry and thirsting for righteousness in an unrighteous world, people are going to laugh at you. They're going to mock you. Week two, blessed are the pure in heart, and you will see God. If you're trying to live with a pure heart in a world that, that idolizes impurity. People are going to mock you. Week three, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. If someone strikes you on one cheek and you turn the other cheek, if you go the extra mile, if you forgive, that which seems unforgivable. Many people don't have a category for that. You're weird. You're a doormat. That's stupid. What's wrong with you? They will mock you. And Jesus said very, very clearly in the eighth And final beatitude, he said in Matthew 5, verse 10, blessed are those who, what? Say it aloud. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's what he said, and this sounds very, very unusual to us. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they say falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are you when people make fun of you, persecute you, ridicule you because of your faith in me. Great is your reward. Now some of you may say, okay, what exactly does that mean? Blessed are you when you're persecuted for right living, for doing the right thing. You might think, well, obviously, Craig, you're gonna be persecuted because you're a preacher and you're kinda odd, so you got it coming to you. The reality is you don't need to be a preacher to be persecuted. In fact, the very first illustration of persecution in the Bible between Cain and Abel wasn't because Abel was preaching to Cain. The reason Cain was angry is because Abel was living the right way. He was doing the right thing before God, and Cain wasn't. And his own sin convicted him. And he felt like he he was angry and and maybe mad at himself, and he lashed out and killed his own brother, not because his brother did anything wrong, but because his brother did everything right. And he was convicted by that right living. And so I don't know what will be for you, but when you are a Christ centered family, you will have different values. And, and maybe, maybe you're a teenager or a young adult and you think, I'm, I'm going to honor God with sexual purity. I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. And all your friends are like, you're an idiot. That's the stupidest thing. Who would give that up? I mean, that's just, st- and they're going to make fun of you. Blessed are you when people persecute you for righteousness sake. Maybe you're not gonna go to a certain movie that all your friends are going to. Why? Because there's a little bit of poop in the brownies, right? (laughs) Who knows what I'm talking about? And you say, I'm not gonna do this even though everybody else is, and they make fun of you. Or maybe you're so crazy, you say, we're not gonna put our child in this one sports league. Why not? Well, because they play games when we go to church. Oh, how can you put church in front of your four-year-old's future? Okay. <laughs> Maybe church is a better investment in your four-year-old's future and let him make fun of you. Maybe you're seeking God and trying to serve God and things aren't going right in your life. And people say, where's God now? Where's God now? Why aren't things going right in your life? And you recognize that things may not be going right in your life because you're doing something wrong, but they may not be going right in your life because you're doing what's right. And there's spiritual opposition for it. If you are a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted for your faith. So that raises the question, how do we prepare our families for persecution? How do we prepare them to have deep roots in their faith in Christ so they can handle the inevitable persecution that will come? And let me just give you three different thoughts that I pray will build your faith. How do we prepare our families? Number one, we're gonna teach them to expect it. We're gonna teach them to expect persecution. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what, everybody? They will be persecuted. Everyone. If you want to follow Christ, you will be persecuted. If your family is Christ-centered in some way, you will be different and people won't understand and they will criticize you. And you won't be different like everybody else, you'll be different in your unique way because you're seeking God and you're hearing from Him and how He would lead you to follow Him. I'll give you an example. Um, years ago, before my first daughter went to kindergarten, Amy and I felt impressed by God to home educate our kids. I've never told any of you you need to do it. In fact, some of you I'd tell you, don't do it, okay? Don't, you, you're, just, you're not called to that, but we felt called to it, and you wouldn't believe. Oh, are they gonna be able to read? They're gonna be weird. They're gonna wear their hair in buns. They're gonna wear denim <laughs> skirts, and they're gonna grow up to make their own butter. Dear God, don't home educate your kids. Huh? <laughs> Persecution, Now, yeah. They look good in denim, and the butter is delicious. Right? <laughs> I don't know what it's gonna be for you, but when you're Christ-centered, you're gonna be different from the values of the world and they're gonna make fun of you. It may be at Thanksgiving dinner and they're all taking little jabs at you as you want to pray over the Thanksgiving meal. They may not invite you to certain parties because you, like your pastor, ruin keg parties. They may make fun of you when you're doing your U-version Bible study uh, at school. Or they may make fun of you because you dress modestly when they all dress like they're going to work on the street corners. You know, whatever it may be. If they make fun of you, you just expect it. It's a part of following Christ. And so here's my advice to you. If you're raising kids, what I would advise you to do is to introduce them to controlled and small doses of persecution. You teach them, as followers of Christ, you will be persecuted. You introduce them to small and almost controlled doses of persecution when they're young. And this is what we did, one of the many things. And and when I tell you this, some of you will make fun of it and kind of persecute me for this. And I don't care. I've actually got a um, email address you can email. It's, it's called Craig and I don't give a rip.com. Email anytime you want. Any day you don't like what I say, just email that. And there's an automatic reply that comes back to you. It says, see, I don't give a rip. And that's what happens. And so anyway, when um when our kids were young, um Our oldest ones, they went trick-or-treating. And as a pastor and a Christian, I have nothing against dressing your kids up, knocking on doors, getting free candy, nothing against that at all, okay? But as a dad, I read and researched about the origins of Halloween. And you do your own research, you don't have to take my word for it. If you dig in, you'll probably find that the root of it is not very pleasing to our God. So we made a a decision as a family that we weren't gonna trick or treat. Mostly it was just to tell our kids we're gonna be different and we decided to replace it with something they would like better, which is to go to Chuck E. Cheese because there ain't no kids at Chuck E. Cheese on a Halloween (laughs) night and their tightwad dad would drop a lot of money and make it even more fun and we were building in our kids the idea that we do something that to us is different and to us is better. And everybody criticized. Family members didn't understand. Friends didn't understand. A lot of people still don't understand. And we're not trying to draw a line in the sand about trick-or-treating. What we're trying to do is plant the value in our children that we're willing to be different and we will be persecuted for it. And so whatever that looks like in your life, whatever God convicts you to do, you teach your kids early. We expect it. We're Christ-centered, and people will make fun of us. And the reason this is so important, and you need to hear this, is because the persecution in our country has been relatively light, but it is increasing every single day. There is tremendous growing hostility toward Christianity and and Christ's values. And you better learn to stand strong and teach your children to stand strong because the heat is going to increase and they need to have their roots planted deeply. You will be persecuted. Jesus said it very directly in John 15, 18 through 20. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first Hey, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, Jesus said. A servant is not greater than his master. Jesus said this, help me out. If they persecute you, what did he say? If they they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We teach our families to expect it. The second thing we teach them to do, if you're taking notes, is we teach them to endure it. We teach them to endure persecution. In fact, Paul told the Corinthians this in 1 Corinthians 4.12, he said, when we are cursed, we bless. And when we are persecuted, what do we do? We endure it. When we're persecuted, we endure it. What do we not do? We don't whine about it. We don't cry about it. We don't gripe about it. This is fair. My friend defriended me on Facebook because I'm a Christian. I just can't suffer anymore. <gasps> okay. We don't do that. We endure it. And may I remind you respectfully that the the persecution we endure in this country is incredibly light to what goes on around the world. And there are those of you at church online, I just acknowledge, some of you, you've confessed your faith in Christ and your family has disowned you. And the courage it takes to do that is far greater than what we endure here. There are those of you in places in the world where if you confess your faith in Christ, they, they cut your tongue out. They cut an ear off, they cut an, They mark you. There, there are places, and for centuries, and even today around the world, people lose their lives for their faith in Christ. So when someone makes fun of you because you're going on a mission trip on your uh, spring break instead of going and partying, you just endure it. You just take it like a man of God or a woman of God. When people make fun of you because you have different values, you just, you just take it, you just, you just endure it with a, with a smile on your face. When, when God calls you to, to do something different and to get out of debt and not to be in bondage and, and, and so you drive an old car and they make fun of you or you live in a smaller place and they, and they laugh and they say, hey, come on over here where we are. We're broken, loving it. You just, you just endure it. You just endure it because you are are a follower of Christ. And when you do, it's amazing what happens. God does something inside of you. When you endure persecution, your spiritual roots grow deeper. In in fact, when you endure persecution, your intimacy with Christ increases. Your spiritual resolve is strengthened. I remember um, in college, I was a business major, and then I became a Christian in the middle of that, and I, I felt called into uh, ministry in the church, but churches weren't calling business majors, and so I got a job at Honeywell in sales right out of college, and 10 months into my uh, career at Honeywell, my church invited me to come and to serve on staff, and it was like, it was like God's dream come true for me, and so... I went into my boss at Honeywell, a man that I I deeply respected, and said, "Um, I'm leaving here. And he said, what are you gonna do? I said, well, I'm going to work for a church. And he looked at me, like I said, I'm cutting my head off for fun today. Like, why would you do something so stupid? And I I said, this is just what I feel called to do. And he he looked at me and said, you're a talented guy. You've got a future. Why would you waste all that you have in in a church? And when I explained to him that I really felt like this is what God called me to do, there was kind of like this, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And I had friends and I had extended family members that were deeply concerned for my stupid, irrational decision to go to work for a church. You know what that did? Oh, it deepened my faith in Christ. It solidified the decision. It helped me to understand that I wasn't living for the approval of others, but I was living for the approval of God. And it did something inside of me. If you haven't been persecuted in a while, I'm telling you, it's almost a disadvantage. And I would almost say that the fact that there is little persecution where we live, it almost puts us at a spiritual disadvantage because all throughout history, when the church is persecuted, the church becomes stronger. There's a sense of unity, and there's passion, and there's boldness, and it weeds out those who don't really mean it, and it strengthens those who do, and they become more effective. And when your family stands together for Christ, not just... Yeah, we're kind of a Christian family, I think. You know, we're not, we're not anything else. But no, when we're Christ-centered, it draws you together. And when your family is persecuted, there's a sense of strength and identity for who God has called you to be. In fact, we teach a class at our different campuses called Family Identity. And there's a great principle that I love in this class. If you're taking notes, it goes like this. Where family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. Where family identity is weak, peer pressure is strong. This is so important parents as you're raising your kids. Where there is a deep grounded spiritual identity We are Christ followers. We're gonna be persecuted, that's okay. We're on a mission, we've got a calling. We're living for something higher than the lower things of this world. Then there's a strong family identity and all the pressure your kids or even you will face, it's not as strong because we have a purpose, we have an identity, we have values. But where that's not there, where there is no real family identity, no mission, no purpose, no higher calling, No cause outside of, yeah, we're just trying to have a good time and buy a better car. When there's not that, the peer pressure is so much stronger because we don't really know who we are and whose we are. We're not just a Christian family in name only. We're Christ-centered. It means something to us. He's the center of all that we are and do. Therefore, we tell our family, we're going to be persecuted. Expect it. And then when it comes, you endure it. But you don't just endure it, there's another word that I wanna tell you and you teach your family, is that is you embrace it. You embrace it. You thank God that you get to suffer in some small way like his son who gave it all for us. You embrace it. In fact, Peter said this, and when I read you what he said, I want to give you the context. Peter was talking to a group of Christians that were suffering and being persecuted beyond anything that our little safe world can imagine. In fact, one of the things they would do is they would take the Christians who wouldn't renounce the name of Christ— who wouldn't say, denounce him, and they would put them into the center of a Colosseum in front of huge crowds, and they would release lions who would physically devour those who would not walk away from their faith in Christ. Peter was talking to them, and here's what he said. Are you ready for this? 1 Peter 4, verse 12 and following. He said, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He said, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Verse 16, this is so powerful. He said, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But what do you do? All of our churches, let's say it aloud, but when you suffer as a Christian, you what? You praise God that you bear that name you praise God that you bear that name. When your friends make fun of you at lunch because you're praying over the meal, you praise God that you bear that name. Whenever everybody else is going to the Bootylicious Bunny Barn on a Friday night and you say, no, I'm not doing that. Why not? Come on, you're one of the guys, let's do that. No, 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 I'm not going. Why aren't you going? Well. I want to get married one day and I'm gonna honor my future wife today. What? You idiot. Now what's looking at some, you know, today gonna hurt your wife? No, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna honor my God, I'm gonna keep my mind pure and I'm I'm gonna treat women respectfully. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for that. Praise God, gentlemen, when you are persecuted because you don't treat women as sex Objects, but you honor them and treat them as children of God. Blessed are you when people make fun of you because you walk away from a business deal that was very profitable, but you realize it was slightly unethical. And everybody else says, but in our business, everybody fudges there, but you don't. And they make fun of you and they laugh at you and mock you because you could have made a lot of money. And you stand up and say, no, I made a covenant with God and I'm doing what's right. I believe God will bless me more later. And even if he doesn't, I did what's right today. Thank you, God, that I get to suffer in some small way. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. For yours is the kingdom of God. It does something inside of you. Some of you right now, you feel like you must be doing something wrong because you've got opposition all around you. Someone might even say, hey, how's that God thing going for you now when all hell's breaking loose in your life? May I remind you that things may be going wrong, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. (laughs) Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. This is a spiritual battle and it's very, very real. One of the most meaningful moments that I think I ever had with my kids is when I um, purposefully and prayerfully introduced them to the real persecution that our family faces. And again, it's minor compared to parts of the world, but they've grown up in Life Kids and everyone in Life Kids loves Life Church. They've grown up in Switch and everyone in Switch loves Life Church. And so I help them to understand uh, at the appropriate age that not everybody loves me or Life Church, And I set him down and I read an article um, that someone had written about me that was very hateful, um, wasn't true, uh, but it's just kind of what happens. And so I read that to him and I said, I want you to know that there are a lot of non-Christians that really hate me, hate our church, and even hate you because you're a part of it. Then I explained to him, this may be more difficult to believe, but there are a lot of Christians that hate me hate our church, they call me a false teacher, they call me a heretic. They don't understand this philosophy and truly hate us and despise us. And honestly, every now and then, there's like some really um, unstable person that would rather me not do what I do and do whatever it takes to keep me from doing what I do. And I just want you all to know this. And and my, my thought was they might be mad, they might be hurt, they might be afraid, but I wanted them to know it at the right time And my oldest daughter said, Well, Dad, we need to pray more then, don't we? And my son said, Dad, we need to start more campuses because we need to reach these people. And my four oldest kids, there was just this, there was this deep sense of passion and purpose, and not fear, and not timidity, and not not anger, but this, but this love. We got to do more and we got to reach them because why? There's an identity there. We're not just a Christian family, we're Christ-centered. And I didn't even realize how deep that was in my children when they realized they embraced the fact that people aren't going to like our family. And that's just part of it. It's not going to stop us. It's just going to motivate us all the more to reach more people. So here's the deal. Listen to me. Don't ever worry when your family is being persecuted for righteousness. The only time you should worry is when you're not ever being persecuted at all. Because if you're not being persecuted at all, he said as lovingly as I can, you might just be a Christian family in name only. What are we about, Mom and Dad? Oh, you know, going to the game. Yeah. Oh. Going to the lake. Yeah. Granite countertops. Yeah. (laughs) What are we about? Vacation. Yeah. What are we about? We're about Jesus. His kingdom. (laughs) His purpose. (laughs) His glory. Making a difference in this world. And you need to know, when you're about him, you will be persecuted. So don't worry when you are. Worry when you're not. If everything goes okay and there's no spiritual opposition, maybe you're walking the same way as the devil. Because when you're walking toward God, there's always spiritual opposition. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. If you're a Christian family, you will be persecuted. It's a part of it. So what do you do? You expect it. That's what happens. You endure it. You take it like a man of God, like a woman of God. You don't strike back. You don't get angry. You don't get defensive. You just love and love and love and love. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of God. You are not just gonna settle for being a blend-in, average, cultural Christian family. God has called you to something more. We are Christ-centered in all we do because we are created for his glory. God bless this home, that this home could make a difference eternally for your name's sake. Now God, we ask that your spirit would minister to your church that we would be Christ-centered in all that we do. All of our churches, as you guys are praying, nobody looking around, uh, right now there are a lot of you, I guarantee you that um, you recognize I'm kind of more in the cultural Christian category, and I, I really sense that I should be more Christ-centered in the way that I live. We should be more Christ-centered in the way that we live. There are those of you that are, are very serious about your faith and yet you even recognize there's more. I I wanna be even a better spiritual leader to my family. I wanna be a better mom to my children. I wanna be a better witness to my friends. I wanna be even more Christ-centered in the way I live whether you'd score a zero on the scale of one to 10 or a nine on the scale of one to 10, if God is convicting you now that you wanna be even more Christ-centered in the way that you live by faith, would you lift your hand up? All of our different churches, just lift them up high. Thank you, God, for all the people at all of our different churches and church online who say, yes, I wanna honor you. God, I pray that even now you would lead our minds to be conformed to the image of Christ, that God, we would influence those around us. God, I pray for those who may be the only Christian in their family. God, that you would give them favor and wisdom as to how to share your love. God, for the homes that are, are Christian in name only, God, I pray that you would cause one or two or all to rise up and to lead others to a higher calling, a divine purpose, a mission to make a difference in this world for your glory. God, convict us to fall more in love with you, empowered by your spirit, directed by your word, to lift up the name of Jesus, that he not be a part of our life, but he be the center of who we are and all that we do. Make us Christ-centered homes. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I know and I know and I know there are so many of you that your story is like my story growing up. I believed in God, but there was no evidence at all that I knew him. I was a Christian in name only, and you recognize that right now, and you are here because that's about to change. There are others of you that if someone else looked on in your life, they would say, man, you're not even close to being a Christian, and you know that, but something inside of you right now is drawing you toward God. And when others may think you're far away, deep inside, you know you're very, very close, and let me just tell you how close you are. You are one step away from knowing Him. You are one step away from His forgiveness. You are one step away from His grace because it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus as the Son of God died for our sins but He didn't stay dead. The tomb was empty, the stone was rolled away. He is risen so that anyone who calls on his name will be saved and transformed. There are those of you in Christian name only, today you call on him. Others of you, you may look far from him, but you recognize you need him. That's why you're here today. At all of our different churches, those of you who say, that's me, I need his grace, I need his mercy. I don't wanna just ask him to save me, that would be selfish. I want him to be the Lord of my life first in every single way. I wanna be Christ-centered as He gave His life for me. Today I turn from my sins and give my life to Him. That's your prayer, all of our churches. Lift your hands high now all over the place. Lift them up now and leave them up. I just wanna acknowledge you over here in this section, all five, six, seven of you over here. God bless you guys. And right over here, sir, praise God for you. Up here, close to me right here. God bless you guys. Let me just, I wanna, nobody else looking around, but I wanna look you guys in the eye right here and all men, three of you together and right back here as well, bless you. Others of you here in this section, both of you guys right back here. Praise God for you here in the middle section, hand lifted high and, and all of you guys right here together as well, praise God for you. Others of you, church online, click right below me. We've got entire families lifting their hands to follow Christ here in the middle section. Everybody pray with those around you. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you with my whole life. Make me Christ-centered in all I do for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody get loud. Somebody worship big. Somebody thank God. Don't ever get used to seeing people born into the family of God.